Welcome to Raw Talks. I'm your host, Lenore, and here is where the people connect to the story. What's up, guys? I know it's been a long, long time since I've done my last podcast, but you guys know that I don't just do content to be doing content. So I wanted to make sure that my next interview was very um, relatable, um, enlightening, and significant. So I have a, a young man on here that I met Eight years ago today, haven't seen him, haven't talked to him um, besides social media, but we've kept in touch. And I just want to bring you guys into his world um, so that you can get a different perspective. And also just to see how things can run full circle. So I am going to introduce my guest. My guest, his name is Ashley Treasure Theophane. He is a boxing champion. He is from London, England, y'all. We got an international person all the way from England. He's more so from the west side of London. He's British. He's Caribbean. He's Irish. He's Jamaican and St. Lucie. Like, wait a minute. Y'all probably like, what he look like? What he look like? He fine, y'all. He fine. But uh, he's um he's uh he's won 50 uh rounds of boxing. He's only had eight losses and one draw. Like, what a phenomenal record. Also, y'all, he team Virgo like me, okay? Sorry for any other, you know, horoscopes. Y'all not as dope as Virgos. He's a public speaker, a mentor, and an activist. And I just want to bring Mr. Ashley Treasure Theophane to our show. Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. It's so good to have you. Um, on our show today and just for you being another male counterpart it's like super 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 important um just that I have diversity on my show so I just want to go from the place where um we met so in the time that I met you I think it was around 2012 like the summer of 2012 I had just graduated and my mom sent me to Jamaica for uh, my graduation gift. So where were you um, in your boxing career at that time? Well, at that time, I think I was British champion and I had just fought and then I went to Jamaica with with my little bro to, you know, to have, have fun and show him another part of the world. And um, then that's when I met you. And then, you know, we're here now. Yeah, I re I remember very distinctly you and your brother, and you guys told me that you know you was like, oh my name's Ashley, and I think his name was yeah. Stacy, and then we were I was with my ships, and we were saying like we never heard you know males with you know well from our perspective female female names right. So did you did you get a lot of like how was that growing up as far as what you you having a basically like a female name but it's really a whoever name <laughs> okay well over here growing up i only knew boys with my name it's only when i came to new york in 2005 that i like i would say my name and then folks would say what ashley's your name and i'll be like yeah so it's only when i came to america that i saw that it was like a female's name because back home I knew loads of boys called Ashley. So for me, grow, growing up, it wasn't a girl's name. It's only when I went to America and I saw all the Ashley's there, I was like, oh, wait. Like, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. Oh. So it was a bit weird. 
Oh, wow. I, I mean, I, I bet you that was a shock, but I think more so now we're now we're used to the uh, just unisexual name, like whatever your name is, like a female name, Rain, a boy name, Rain. So, I mean, it was interesting for me, but I, I, I nicknamed you guys London number one and London number two because yes. one is older than the other. You guys are from London. So I always nickname people and it just stick with them. Um, so. Yes. Yeah, I, and I loved your brother, by the way. He was super cool. And I remember, do you remember he did, we said, do your best American accent. And I think he, like, rapped Biggie or Tupac or something. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me. Oh, my God, it was the funniest he thing. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. Okay, so um, let's go back into um, some of, like, the initial parts of becoming the champion that you are. I've I read that as a as an adolescent going into your your young adulthood, you um because I saw that you came to America at 22. So when did you actually start boxing and how did that become an interest for you? Um I started to box when I was 8 years old when I was a little kid and um I used to watch the fights with my dad. And I just wanted to try it out. They looked fun. I just used to like to see guys getting knocked out. And then I tried the sport and I just had fun. And it was, you know, I just made low worlds of friends. And then um, I just became, I was an amateur. I became good. And I turned pro when I was 22 years old. And but I always wanted to come to America. Like, as a kid, I watched the big American fights. Mm -hmm. So my goal, my dream was always to come to America. So when I was... I was 24, in fact. Oh, 24, okay. Um, 24, and then I came to America. I went to New York for a month, and I just had the best time. Like, I just, the vibe there was so great. Like, they believed in me. Like, where like, where I was back home, like, no one really, like, really believed in me. Then I went to America, and everyone was like, yeah, you were so good. I think you could be great. And then just to be around, like, that energy just made me want to keep going back and back, and then you know, that's why I did. And, you know, I went on to do some great things. Yeah. Well, I, well, I just want to follow up with something that I feel is very, very significant. You're 24 years old. And you said, yeah. I'm going to America. What in in that time when you were getting ready to come to America, and I'm, I'm assuming getting passports and all those type of things, what challenges yeah. did you face in pursuit of new opportunity in America, if you can remember that? Well, I didn't have, I didn't know no one there. So one, there was that issue there. I don't know anyone there. I was going, like, my mom obviously was a bit scared for me to go to another place. But um, she had a serious, because my grand granddad is Jamaican. And um, he had some kids all over the world. So um, I had like an auntie who lived in New York, mm -hmm. and um, she got her she got her niece to let me stay at hers, and then I stayed at her place for a month. And um, she became like one of my best friends, like Celine. Like mm -hmm. um, yeah, like she was just there for me for so many years. I didn't know anyone. I didn't, and she was so nice to me. I would always ask her, "Why are you being nice?" And mm -hmm. I didn't understand. I was like. Where I'm from, you don't do anything if you want something unless you want to get paid like that. Right. I understand that she was just being kind to be kind because she wanted to help me. Mm -hmm. So for that, so for that, like she saw me at the very start at like 2005. 
So for her to see when I first came to America with a dream, and then to know that I went on to achieve my dream where I was British champion, I went to be with Floyd Mayweather, like I went on to do some great things, and she was, without her help, I may not have got that far. Right. So, um, so that's, that's one thing I've, I've learned, and for me, with black Americans, um, I love the way that you guys support each other, and, you know, for me, that, you know, that always made me, like, where I come back home, and it was like, oh, Americans are so annoying, like, how, like, how do you live there, and for me, Americans always supported me, Americans always believed in me, Mm -hmm. Americans were, like, the ones that gave me the chance, yeah. without them, I would never have achieved my, what, what I achieved, so, it's weird when I came back home, and they would talk bad about you guys, and I'd be like, well, for me, it's the opposite, because they just showed me love, they showed me the love that I didn't get at home, yeah, so, so for me it was a, a bit you know a bit strange sometimes i would just let folks talk because it's no good to keep going back and forth if i know that folks they showed me love i you know i was just great grateful for that yeah and i think it's and i just thank you so much for even saying that and highlighting black americans yeah. because um it's been such a misconception from all over the world i've had people come straight from Africa, different parts of Nigeria, Benin, Ghana, and they will say like how the perception of black Americans is so horrible. And I think that is like a systematic way of keeping us divided for you guys coming over here or us exploring different parts of the the world. It's just trying to cause a a division between blacks everywhere. So the fact that you even were able to come and see for yourself at such a young age and be able to be coachable from a space of just observation from a person who was just being genuine to you and having that first experience, I believe it kind of set the tone for the type of people that you allow in your circle moving forward. And also helped you pick up different characteristic traits that you naturally didn't get from your home foundation. And I just, you know, I always believe in the scripture that says it takes a village to raise a child. And it really does because you, everybody is teaching us something, whether we're in the house or outside of the house. So I really love that you said that. Um, what I do want to ask you about is I read that you said your toughest fight was in the United States. And I think you fought this person maybe once or twice. So what was your experience when you lost, when you, when you lost your first fight in the U S? Um, so basically there was two, there was two fights that I say are the hardest fights and I lost them both. But, um, for me, it, it it showed me that I was tough because they hurt me and I wouldn't quit in the fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I was hurt in the fight and I fought back. Like, I, I started off to lose and then I came back and I didn't lose by a lot, but it was just the pain I had to fight through. It just showed to me that I don't give up. You know what I mean? Like, I'll go all out. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it even though I lost, what I took from the loss is that I was tough, resilient, and I didn't quit. So, mm-hmm. Straight after those losses, after each loss, I always bounced back because I, I still believed in myself. So I would, I, lo- I lost, so I'd be sad. Then I would just think about like, what I did wrong and what I could do like right in the next fight. So for one thing with me, I would say, even though I would lose, I would always want to improve like from those losses. Right. So they say it's not a loss if you learn. 
So whenever I would lose, I would always try to learn off that loss and come back better. Mm-hmm. So my first, like my first fight in America, I came to America 2005, and it took me, like I think it was two and a half years to get my first fight there. I mm-hmm. got my first fight there, and then I lost. So I was like, I wanted this since I was a kid. I think I was 28 then. Mm-hmm. So I was eight years old. So, so like for 20 years, I've always wanted to fight in America. Mm-hmm. I fight in America, and then I lose. So my dream is over at the start. Mm-hmm. But then because, because I didn't give up, I still would work, work hard. I still would believe in myself that I will go, I will, I will get the big fights. I will become a champ, champion. So then years would go on, like five years after that loss, mm-hmm. I signed to Floyd in the world, say, straight after that loss, I would go on to be British champion. I would lose the British championship, then I would go back to America and I, and there, and I would um, join in Floyd. So every, every time I got a setback, I bounced back big. Right. Right. You know I mean? So um, for me, you, you know, in life, Sometimes things don't go to plan. Mm-hmm. And then when we get the setback, we have to regroup and we have to come again because it's not a sprint. It's American. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, sometimes we fail, you learn off the failure, and then you come back and you improve. And that's what, you know, that's what I, I did. So, you know, I was proud of myself in a sense. Yeah, I mean, to have that type of ma- mindset, even at, a young age and you're young 20, 20 in your twenties, your twenties is challenging anyway. Like yeah, I'm just yeah, not in yeah. the 30 gang. I'm 31 getting ready to be 32. And okay. I, okay. But you see that I literally, my twenties was so challenging. It was like a lot of ups and downs, a lot of roller coasters. And just from your perspective and how you approach life was if I can learn something, I'm really not losing. And you even made a statement like, I come from nothing, so I'm losing nothing, right? And I yeah, love that you said that. Me. Yeah, I love that you go by that because a lot of people who come from poverty or impoverished neighborhoods, low incomes, subsidized housing, whatever the case may be, you know what it's like to have nothing. And then when you get exposed to something else, it's like, wait, wait a minute. I didn't even know this exists. So now, even if you yeah. took it from me, I'm, <laughs> you know, if you took it from me, I'm going to know it doesn't really matter. Cause I'm gonna know how to get it again or get it better. You know? Um, so I, I mean, I really like your perspective on that. And what I have to ask you is during this time that you're fighting, um, I noticed that um, your middle is it your middle name Treasure. It is more highlighted than anything. Ashley Treasure Theophane. Why did you feel the need to put the emphasis on Treasure? Because I see it's on your like your little pants when you're boxing. So what is what is that yeah. what is that significance for you? Um, that's my mother's last name. Oh, so, you know, so that represents my mom, my mom's dad. You know, so um, so that name there is um that's me that's where i come to coming from and that's what that's why i used it in my whole name so i have my mom's name and then my dad's my dad dad's name as well so so i have my both family together in it so um you know they both make me my mom my dad they make me in it so um just bringing the both both names together 
I love that. It's like a, a real life Creed moment. You remember Creed used he used Creed and Johnson and he put both names on his thing. So I mean you that was you you did that before Creed was even out. So you need to patent that. You the true patent right there. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's you. You all the way. You was the originator on that. Um I know in this time you're growing and you're developing and I just really learned about this term sparring so you will have these sparring sessions with some of these great individuals if if you don't mind sharing what were some of those most influential sparring sessions that you had with people like Floyd Mayweather and Renee and any other ones that I'm not familiar with like can you highlight some of those for me um, so for me, like I sparred, like coming. So when I first came to America and I went to the New York gym, I wanted to spar the best in the gym because mm-hmm. I wanted one. I want, I wanted to see how good I am. So that's why I did a four, the best in the gym. Then everyone saw that I could could fight, and then I got their respect. Mm-hmm. When I went to, to Floyd's gym. I wanted to spar all of the big names in the gym, all of the champ- champions in the gym. And that, again, was to show everyone that I can fight and I wanted to get onto the money the money, money team. So, um, you know, through doing that, putting in the work, I sparred a lot of these world champions. I got, I got to spar with Floyd, and um, I was part of two of Floyd's camps. When he fought Berto and then he fought Canelo, so I, you know, I sparred with Floyd. I think I sparred with Floyd maybe five or six times. So I'm, um, you know, and then I done so well in one of them that he bought me a car, which was great. You know what I'm saying? He so, bought you um, a what? A car. A car? Chrysler 300. Yeah, Chrysler. A Chrysler. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You new one as well. Okay, Floyd. You one. <laughs> So, so that was nice. Uh, so yeah. So um, so it's good. So basically, in this sport, you have to spar to improve, and you sometimes you want to spar the better guys because you want to improve, and then you can work on stuff that you ain't good on, like and whatever. But sparring the best is how you improve yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's why you spar to prepare for a fight because that's like the practice. You don't go all out. But you just do enough just to make each other know that you're in the ring. Right. Um, that I mean, I think that I just literally learned of that term in this leadership okay. school that I'm in. Um, and and I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. But I, I feel like I naturally spar, but having been intentional yeah. about who I'm sparring with is key as yeah. I move forward. Because if you you know sparring in whatever aspect or industry that is for you, you yeah. have to position yourself to get wisdom and be corrected. And for yeah. for you, you seem extremely, extremely coachable, humble, meek, and just Male, well manner. I feel like if somebody looked at you and who didn't even know you, they wouldn't know that you had them hands, okay? Your your persona, your countenance <laughs> make you look like, oh, look at this guy, you know? So has that been an advantage for you by being, um, I guess, um, underestimated? How has that worked in your favor with people uh, viewing you? Um. I would say not in fights because in fights you research the guy you were going to fight. But I I would say in the gyms when I was young in the gyms 
the guy who sees some light skin guy that looks nice he's soft he can't fight but then i would get in the ring and you would see that it's the next thing so um it, it's worked for me in the in the gyms where you know i walk walked in the gym they're like oh, who's this guy but then i can really fight you know so I, but i've just always been even back home from young because i can box i've just always been calm because i know what i can do so you know as long as you don't you don't touch me then we're all good then it like you know what i'm saying so i've always been i've always been calm like that you know i've always been very calm because i know i've been doing this sport from a very young age and i think that the the sport doesn't get a lot of times the sports get a bad rep and mm-hmm. i think it's very good for kids to do the sport because it relaxes them like say if you got energy and you're a kid and you like to play i think that with like the box you learn like you learn how to defend 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 yourself so you're not going to go out to pick to pick on kids mm-hmm. so i think it's very I, i think it's very good for kids to learn the sport like from a young age because you learn a lot in the gym you know to stay calm and you know just be well mannered as well yeah and i i think that just even for myself because I'm like, well, I need some boxing lessons. <laughs> I want to learn something. And I think that a lot of, I think the variations of, of boxing, like the type of boxing um, that you do versus, you know, some of the other stuff. If you if you categorize your type of boxing with all the other categories, some people, some parents may be hesitant because all they see is bloodshed or, you know what I mean? Um, but I think that with... Um, You know how like we you have keep fit. Yeah, you got keep keep fit. You got like for the kids and then what I do would be for the elite. Like we're like elite. We're we're at the top but you got like the keep fit class. You can do the keep keep fit class. That's fun. You can do the kids class. That's fun. So there is levels as as you say. It's not just going there and you hit each other. This they just keep in shape, you know. Yeah. Yeah, cuz yeah, it just works out everything like, you know. Um, yes. like, like football, track, all right. that stuff. You get your body right. Yeah. You know, gotta, you know, get it cut up real quick. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, and, and you, I want to double back. You mentioned about, you knowing the sport, you say, you know, the sport ins and outs, you know, you know, the, the totality of it, how has knowing the sport in its totality set you apart from other boxers? Um, well, I was saying is when I wanted to learn to learn, um, to learn the sport, like as a kid, my dad got me like a bunch of DVDs. He got me loads of books, so I so I would read up on the sport. I would read up on all of these guys from like back in the day, and I would watch watch them. So before I even started the sport, my dad wanted me to know the greats and to know what they went through, like to like achieve their dreams and stuff. So um. I think that kind of helps me knowing that it's not an even though I watch the sport and it looks like fun, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that helped helps me to research the sport before I even did did the sport. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think that helps me. And I think in the sport as well, I had some mentors in the sport. And I think that's always good for young men to have that. You know, when you're growing up from different stages in your life, you need mentors. You need mentors because sometimes your mom and dad can't give you certain information that you need. 
but others can. And a lot of times you'd find that in the gyms that there's others there. Like there's got the elders who are law look after the young kids and advise the young kids on certain stuff. So um, I think that is one thing that we do need more of. Yeah, and I'm glad you started talking about mentors. I was just going to ask you about your mentor, Renee. When I looked him up, I saw that he was this public speaker, this businessman, just this author, like this amazing person. What time did he come into your life? And how has his presence impacted you um, as an individual? Okay, so Renee, he came into my life when I was... British champion. And when we, the, the strange thing about our relationship, when we met, I didn't like him. I saw, I saw this guy with his Bentley and he was asking me like, if I'm any good and this and that. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and then um, he, he came to my fight. So he came to my British fight where I won and I, and I was British champ, champion. And he watched me fight. And then he said that he believes that I should be a big star he thinks i have to do a lot in my um community so um i started to work with him and he wanted to change the way i think and stuff and he, he was like another dad like to me you know where there was a lot of things i didn't know and he taught taught me and i would ask him like why you help help me and he would just be like i, I just believe in you mm-hmm. then he so um, he he done so much for me like over I think we worked with each other for eight years. Like he done so much for me and he wanted nothing back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He wanted nothing back. He just wanted to see me be the best me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for everything he's done for me, it's kind of left me with like, I have to do this for a next kid. Mm-hmm. I have to be, I have to pass it on. Because what he done for me and he changed my life, I have to do that for like another kid. You know what I mean? Because, um, and he does this. I'm one of many that he's helped. Mm-hmm. And um, he just advises me on anything. He would advise, advise me. And, yeah, he was just like another dad. So, um, which was good. So, sometimes, people, they come in our life when we least expect it. And we may not even want it. Because at the time, I was like, why do I need you? I'm British champion. I'm getting paid well. I don't need you. But then... He, he added to me, it wasn't about the money, mm-hmm. it was about me becoming a better man. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so, so uh, yeah, it, it was a nice relationship, you know what I'm saying? It was a nice relationship where, again, like, like Celine, he just wanted to help me to help me because he believed in me. Yeah. And so it's... it is good folks out, out there. Yeah. And I, I, um, I saw the commonality... And um, your first interaction with the young lady that you stayed with when you first moved to uh, yeah. the United States, how she was genuine. And then now another transition, another point in your life, this man, first yeah. it was a woman. And I think just to show in the different yeah. dynamics that this, this characteristic trait of genuineness can be both in the male counterpart and the female counterpart. And I think that... Um, just by him coming to see your life at the time that you need it. Sometimes, like you said, we never know what we need. And and from reading your track record, you're self-made. You've been self-made this whole time. You've been making decisions on your own. You may get, you know, help a little here and there, but you really are like a blueprint. Yeah, put in the work yeah. and all those things. And I think that individuals like Renee, 
um, and other people that have come into your life to mentor you um, has just been nothing but, I, I believe is nothing but God ordained because like you said, sometimes being being in a space where you got to get it, you got to get it. And coming from that poverty mindset, we have a different mindset of hustling and like, hold on, you what what you want? Do you want something from me? What, to, the, to the point where it's like when it's time to receive help, we have to learn how to receive help. You know, so and I think that 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 was amazing. And I also, you know, noticed he was, uh, I think, Gambian. And uh, I did read something, I think, on your website about you going to Ghana. I want to shift gears here and talk about these international relationships that you have for so long. And just your experience there, because, I mean, you literally walked over there and you and you won. So tell me about that experience, because I read about it, but it's nothing about hearing it. So. Really? Alright, so I went to Kohana as part of my world. Alright, so I was with Floyd for five years and I had one more year left after my deal, but I wanted to change. So I said, you know what, I've always wanted to fight around the world. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do my world tour. So I asked me whether promotion to buy leave. They said cool. And then so I just started to put in place to do this world tour. And then I had an offer from Ghana, so we went over there for a week, and it was, I told my dad, my dad's from, like, the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and um, he phoned me, like, while I was there, and I said that, it's like being back home in the Caribbean, it's like, they made me feel at home, like, I felt like I was at home, and um, I just had so much fun, I was there for a whole week, and um, they, and they even said, welcome home, that's how, so, I it just made me feel like I was from there, mm-hmm. and um, I had, I had a great trip there, you know, I won my fight over there, and um, yeah, like, they just, it was just, it was, out of all the places I fought in the world, the Garden trip is the one that kind of means the most, like, to me, and St. Lucia as well, I fought in, I fought where my dad is from, so that meant a lot to me, and I fought, like, back home in Africa as well, so those two everything I've done, those things, they meant a lot, like, to me. That, I mean, that is just phenomenal that you even had those experiences and be able to connect to your roots in such a unique way, but also purposeful because you were doing what you love and then you received the love from everything that you, every void or every emotion that you felt like maybe you were missing, those things made sense in those environments and even change your perspective and your outlook going into the next thing and just having those memories for those down down times. I know we talked a lot about your, your, your progress and things like that, but what were some of the maybe one of the highlight, maybe one of the most trying times in your life throughout your career where you were just feeling like hopeless or frustrated or what was that moment for you and how did you get through it? Um, I think I would say, I think 2009, it, it comes to mind. It's like I was back home and I couldn't get no fights. So I'm a box, 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 so I box. So if you can't get no fights, your career don't move, your career just stands still. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically the British num, 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 number one. Mm-hmm. I had beaten some good guys in America. So it's like I couldn't get fights in America at this time. I couldn't get no fights at home. So it's like my career was kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I was like, like I ain't making no cash, I could quit. 
But then and I just pulled out of the box. My cousin had died three years before. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you know what? I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do something in aid of him. So I'd done I'd done some events in aid of him to, you know, because he died of a, a rare heart disease. Mm-hmm. So um I I'd done I'd done some um events in aid of him to raise aware awareness and stuff. So um so that was kind of weird. So 2009 in my career was a, a slow time, like for me, because I, I wasn't getting no love. So I took that time out to do some stuff outside of the sport. Mm-hmm. But then it was weird. 2010 was a big year for me because I beat the world number three. Yeah, I beat the world number three, and then I got and then I got to fight the British champion. So it was weird. I had that slow year where I could have quit because I didn't make no cash. Mm-hmm. But I just stayed in the gym and I done some stuff outside, and then I got these big opportunities, and then I won them. You know, I, I beat beat the world number three, and then I went on to beat the British champion, and then my life had changed again. And then, I, and then that's what I'm saying. I become British champ, met Brené, and then mm-hmm. after that, I went to go to join Floyd's team. So it's weird that all after each time that I had such a like I had a big fight and a big win there was always like a a big dip where I could have quit and Mm -hmm. I didn't quit and then I would go on to like another big movie so even with the Floyd thing I left Floyd that's a big thing to be part of Floyd's team Mm -hmm. I left Floyd and then for two years I went on a world world tour Mm -hmm. winning 10 10 fights in two years so then and then we come to where I am now Mm -hmm. so so each stage of my young career there's been different spots of what I've done. It's been very up and down. Right. But I've done some big things and then you come back, you gotta you gotta rethink. That's why I say if you lose you have to rethink how am I going to reinvent myself? How am I going to come back? So I beat the world number three, like that was a big, big stage. And then I was a British champion, like that was a big stage. Then I was with Floyd for five years, like that was a big stage. Then I went on to do the world tour. That was a big thing. And next thing is my boxing gym. That's what I'm trying to do now. So the next stage is my gym. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, stages of our life. Yeah. And I, yeah, I will just highlight a few things because I know we're coming to the end of our interview and it's been so amazing. But I want to highlight just some things that you have said in this last question one of the things that I've I've identified is that even through like your your supposedly down moments of boxing, you are actually building another part of yourself. The activism part yeah. of yourself, the public speaking and influence part of yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. all things were working for your good and allowed you to build character and allowed you to even still have relatability to people that are not in the boxing world because at the end of the day you are even bigger than boxing boxing is just another avenue of purpose and how you relate to people and it give you access to doors that you naturally wouldn't have had on your own because of a cultivated talent and a desire and a passion but I, I find it extremely admirable that you found Tam to be useful in your downtown a lot of people who mine is a boxing sports tennis whatever whatever that outlet is if they find a down moment some of them get depressed you know they get to 
all these negative thoughts or maybe even suicide or death. But it's in those down moments where you have to recreate yourself, reinvent yourself and say, you know, what else is there to me? So I like the fact that you even took the the that opportunity to say, you know what, I'm well, I'm good at this, or maybe I don't know if I'm good at this. And then you're seeing the results yeah, of just right. just trying something, right? Not yeah. just trying, but actually doing it, putting the action. And one of your, you know, one of the things I noticed just um just reviewing you and researching you are that you're an action going to person. You're not just gonna say something and then not do it. So I I I admire that aspect of you, just how driven you are and passionate you are and humble you are and approachable you are. I mean I can say a thousand and one things pertaining to okay. your <laughs> pertaining to your character um as a person. Um but I do wanna dive um into um the treasure boxing because that's the next yeah. phase of your life and like during this pandemic as if we can touch these two things during this pandemic how has preparing to uh secure and solidify uh the the facility for box uh treasure boxing and how has training conditions changed for for you since most of these facilities may be closed so for me it's worked out because I've had more time to research and to look for the premises because I still haven't found my spot. So when we reopen, I'm going to go and find my, find my place. So for me, it's given me time to research more and to look for, look for spots I may use. Mm-hmm. So that's like it for me. But um, the boxing gym, yeah, I feel very good about it. I think it's going to do great things. The same way that my the, the gym that I started, started that. It helped me change my life, and the man who owned it, he's no longer here, he died last year, but he was like the next guy, he was like a dad to me. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying. So he changed my life, and every, every stage that I had in my life, he was always there to um, support me. So I want my box, boxing gym, to help these next kids, to support them, you know, to help change their life if, if they have some goals to do or to get them off the street. They might just want to be off the street. They help them to stay in shape and stuff. So I want this gym to do the same thing for kids of nowadays, what it did for me. Because mm-hmm. it, helped, it, helped, it helped me to change my life and my career prospects. And again, Renning, he was the one who put that idea in my head. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to box in gym like five years ago. And mm-hmm. he was like, Ash, you have to think of what you're going to do like when you retire. And I was like, I'm not retiring for now. I don't need to think. He said, no, you have to think about what you're going to do next. Mm-hmm. So for years, so this is for years, he would just keep saying, like, straight after a fight, what about the gym? What about the gym? What about the gym? And to be honest, we stopped working together. <laughs> Last year, We went. he wanted me to stop box, boxing now. And I was like, no, I've got to finish my world tour. And he was like, F the world tour start the boxing gym so i said i'll do it at the end of the year so meaning we stopped we stopped because of the gym because he what he wanted me to he didn't want me to box like no more he didn't Mm -hmm. want me to get hurt and whatever it was so he was like i'm gonna leave you to do what you're doing so i finished my world tour and then straight after my world tour i started the gym but without him putting planting that seed in my head Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have wanted to do this gym so it's because of him again Mm -hmm. why i'm doing this gym you know, so hence people sometimes they come in our life for a reason. Mm-hmm. And even though even though 
I was British champion and I was with Floyd, sometimes the man behind the man is more important than the man. Mm-hmm. Because there's many things that I achieved that I couldn't achieve without his help and support and his advice. Yeah, I mean, that response is powerful in itself because you said a lot. And I really want to, anybody that's listening, any male, any female that is listening, really, you're going to have to listen to this interview twice because Ashley really gave a lot of tools and even just his passion behind like him even saying, I wasn't listening. Even this man coming to his life, advising him, him, this man showing up consistently Ashley still wanted to do what he wanted to do, you know? And it's that hard head make a soft butt. But at the end of the day, if you take the advice before it's too late and listen to the wise counsel that God has placed in your life, you're going to be fine. Sometimes we can be so hard-headed and so focused on one thing that we're not open to see the other opportunities. And I even think that he was right. Like during a time like this, during this revolutionary time, this pandemic, where a lot of black males and females and women and, and men are, you know, trying to release anger, trying to stay fit, trying to find something more purposeful, trying to find community. What a better place than to come to a boxing gym that's owned by a black man who has experience, who has connections and resources and can bring people in to talk to them and also advise them and help them and potentially get their mentorship as well. I think it's a perfect opportunity. And I think that, um, it's going to be amazing, and I just want to congratulate you on your track record. You are amazing, beautiful individual, and I'm so glad that I had the pleasure of talking to you um, on today and you just being willing to come on my platform and talk to my audience. So um, I would have to say before we, before we leave, what is one of your quotes and or affirmations that you go by that you can give to our audience? Um, never give up. Never give up. That is, I think in life, sometimes we give up, you know, because um, life is hard, in it? Like, you go through ups and downs, and sometimes we're like, just F this. I just don't want this no more. So, you know, a lot of folks, they get depressed, and um, it's, it's a hard life out, out of this. So, I just think through our low times, because we all have low times, you just have to think of, like, the good times. You have to surround yourself. This is another thing that I didn't really say. In anything you were trying to do in life, you have to surround yourself with positive people. Because if you surround yourself with folks who say you can't do this and you can't do that, you won't do it. But if you surround yourself with folks who believe in you, you will do it. So everything I achieved, I achieved because people believed in me. It was mm-hmm. sometimes that people believed in me more than, than I believed in me. Mm-hmm. So it is so important to be around positive energy. So, so that's what I would say. Be around positive energy at all costs because that can change your life. That is amazing. That is so amazing. You guys, make sure that you follow Ashley on Twitter and IG at Ashley Theophane. That is A-S-H-L-E-Y-T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-E. And I'll put that in the link. You can also follow him on Facebook at Ashley Treasure Theophane. And you can visit his website at AshleyTheophane.com. So we want to thank you so much for being on our show. And um, guys, make sure that you... Follow us on 
Instagram at Raw Talks TV and follow us on YouTube at Lenore the Light. So we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye, guys.